you're very welcome to the third episode of The Clash Act for 2021 and I'm de- delighted to be joined today by Kilkenny hurling legend Richie Power Richie good evening Eddie how are you you well I'm very good thanks and yourself good 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 not too bad now in fairness how's lockdown treating Richie Power Oh sure look It's probably no different To anyone else Eddie to be honest You know I think At this stage Where everyone is fed up um, You know We just kind of Want to get back out And you know Maybe play a bit of golf Or you know That sort of thing But look Everyone's in the same boat You know You would just have to Keep doing the right things And and hopefully We'll come out the, The right side of it Sometime soon and are you getting out in the fresh air or what ways? Yeah, no, absolutely. I get out get out most evenings for a walk, um, you know, and just a bit of exercise kind of most evenings just to clear the head. You know, we're kind of working from home at the moment, but hoping that'll, that'll change in the coming weeks as well, you know, to get back out on the road as well. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's important just to get out, clear the head and, and, and keep the keep the body active, like, you know. And in pre-COVID or post-COVID, when it's all over and done with and we're all back to normal again, is, is working from home something that you think is... is <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, I've, I've enough of the four walls staring at the same four walls now. So, no, the minute uh, things are back up and open, I'll be I'll be on the road. I'll be on it earlier than, than normal. So, um, yeah, no, look, it's... it's Look, it's, as I said, it's been difficult, but everyone's in the same boat. You just have to get on with it, um, you know, and just... You know, luckily enough, I'm in a job and, and, and I'm working away kind of five days a week, so I'm, I'm kind of happy enough in that. Yeah, no, 100%. And Richie, just kind of diving into this and, and, and we kind of start, where we will start with is, you know, you, you were you were brilliant Kenny Hurler and we all enjoyed and, and loved seeing you play. And in, in, in the last couple of years of your career, you know, it, it became very obvious for everybody, I'm sure, obviously more so you than anybody else. But, you know, you could see that you were playing through a, an immense pain barrier. Like, there's there's no question about it. And, you know, your, your commitment and resilience to keep going is, is, is phenomenal. But your career was cut very short and I'm sure you know you've had this conversation a million times but right now you know how is your knee what way, what way are you right now um yeah i suppose uh, right now it's it's actually not too bad as you know i was i was back down with um dr g had there 2 weeks ago in cork just to kind of follow up on my um stem cell injections and Look, luckily enough, I have to say, ninety-five percent of the time, I'm relatively pain-free. Um, you know, everyday living is is good, um, and probably the only thing that I can't do right now is, is go for a run or go for a jog. So, um, a lot of people would say I wasn't fond of it when I could when I could do it anyway. So it's, it's maybe something that I'm not missing too much. But um, yeah, look, I suppose when when I kind of finished up and. You know, retired. It was looking very kind of. It was it was looking bad. You know, I was kind of looking at a knee replacement kind of very early. Um, you know, but I kind of went down different avenues and just investigated different procedures and treatments. And you know, luckily enough, I I went down the route of stem cell treatment about two and a half years ago and that has you know it's it's definitely improved the knee um, as I said it's not it's not anywhere near kind of getting back onto a hurling field or anything like that but you know for everyday living it's I couldn't ask for much more you know especially with the way my knee was when I finished up in, in 2015 and and just, just just on that like do you look back at all like I'm sure you you're now old enough and, and wise enough and I'm not putting too many ages on you here now in fairness <laughs> Richie but do, do you look back you know was it, was it worth it and I, I don't mean that in a horrible way, but what, what was it worth it like? Um, yes and no, you know. Um, obviously, you look back and, you know, eight All-Irelands, senior All-Irelands medals, um, you know, minor All-Irelands, colleges All-Irelands, club medals, you know, 
brilliant times but I suppose you know I think in the last couple of years I've had really you know I've had time to reflect on it all and you know realise that there's so much more to life than sport and than, than hurling and um, you know it's something that I kind of found hard to to grasp when I was forced to retire you know I struggled for about five or six months trying to come to terms with the whole thing but you know I quickly realised there's more to life than sport and you know obviously my physical health was huge you know I have a young son Rory you know it was important to be able to kick a, kick a football with him and puck a ball with him and um, yeah do you know look was it worth it yeah absolutely you know have I regrets absolutely do you know like you know maybe pushing the body too too hard um, you know pushing the body to come back too soon probably on numerous occasions probably led to you know further complications down the line but um, I suppose yeah it's it's you know there's pros and cons to it before I kind of look back because obviously I'd, I'd spoken to Eugene Clunan last week and I just want to have a chat with you just just to draw some similarities obviously Eugene's injuries weren't as, as severe as, as yourself I think Eugene could probably still do a job at full forward for Ballycallan <laughs> if, they, if they can convince him to play but um, he did have some tough injuries but you did you touched on Rory there your young lad I, I was at the All-Ireland Final um, I think it was the Galway All-Ireland Final and, and I remember at the end of the game I got to see you Hooking the ball around the bottom of the field. Um, now we were up high enough yeah. in the stands, myself yeah. and my wife, and, and Breed said to me, What's the story there? And I said, Well, Jesus, he's doing what I'd love to be able to do. I'd love my dad to have done that with me and whatever. Yeah. It, that must have been lovely to have, to have gotten to do that. Yeah, do you know, like I and do you know, it was my last, it was my last kind of memory in a Kilkenny jersey in Crow Park, do you know, and that was th- that was it. Like I didn't know at the time or didn't think at the time that that was going to be the last time I'd be in Crow Park wearing a Kilkenny jersey. But um, I suppose that was the last day I I put on a Kilkenny jersey was the 2015 All Ireland final, and I suppose at the end of it, you know, um, I just had the opportunity to to pick up a hurl and and, and have a few pucks with Rory, and um, you know, look, it was it was special, and I've a couple of lovely photos at home of the you know from kind of up and high in the stand and you know from from pitch level as well so um, yeah look absolutely you know I, I suppose if you could pick one memory to be your last in a Kilkenny jersey in Crow Park you know I, I don't know could I pick a better one No it's, it is it is brilliant and I think John was there as well mm. um, I'd say Richie Senior is probably looking at it thinking Jesus I was quite hard on the boys that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that never got it <laughs> Look at different times I suppose um, you know and I think for, like Rory's point of view he was uh, you know we'd often I'd often have a chat with him about it like you know he was he was so lucky as well I suppose was the time that he was growing up and you know Kilkenny were being so successful I suppose he was probably at more All-Irelands in his in his 12 years than some people have been at in a lifetime you know so um, yeah look it's great to have those memories you know and it's a you touched on it there I suppose we were I was out at home last weekend uh, just visiting the parents and um you know, they had an envelope full of those kind of memories, you know, kind of put away and brought in and, you know, you can go home, sit down and look at them and it's great, you know, like mam is a bit of a hoarder that way with paper clippings and, and photos like that but um, definitely they're great memories to look back on. No, it is it is, it is, it is a lovely a, a lovely thing to have and I, and I genuinely, I know there was many Kilkenny people in the stands and they were all kind of looking at the same thing and it's, it you know, it, it's mad that the career you've had um one of the first things that always comes to my mind when I when I think you I th- I always think of that which is you know I I still think it's a lovely a lovely thing to yeah. have your career yeah. finishing on that um just just pressing back obviously your dad would have been a you know he was a brilliant hurler himself but 
growing up in in the house at home, you know, it's not a coincidence that yourself and John are both, you know, Kilkenny hurlers or former Kilkenny hurlers. But was your dad a real strong influence in that? Was there a lot of oh yeah, at home? look, ab- absolutely. And you know, I've, it's something I've always said. Like he was he was a huge influence on my career. Um, you know, from a very very young age, and you know, even underage club level, he would have managed all the teams that I would have been coming up in as well. So you know, it was it was great to have him there, and you know. And even when I kind of made the step up to the senior team, like it was great to have a kind of a sounding board there, knowing that he was there and he'd done it all. And, you know, there were some days that we would have had, you know, I suppose crosswords or, you know, he would have told me not to play and I would have went and played anyway if I was kind of maybe, you know, feeling a bit sick or carrying a bit of a knock. You know, he he would have always advised me not to, you know, play because you're not going to be able to give it 100% but sure I suppose me being young and naive I said I was grand you know but um, there was one or two occasions where it didn't work out in my favour and I got a I got a I told you so when I went home but um, no look you know as I said I, I don't know I, I can't emphasise enough how much of an influence dad had on my career um, you know and probably still does today like in, in everyday life you know but like just from a sporting point of view you know he he emphasised kind of hard work himself and you know he, Mam would often tell us a story that you know every Stevens' day he would have been up in a in a field in Stonyford kind of running running laps you know that was what he used to do when he was playing you know and that would have been kind of maybe unheard of in their time because I suppose training wouldn't have been as intense as professional as it is now you know so but that's where he kind of you know um, started off and he just kind of set those levels for himself and he kind of stuck to them until until he finished up and retired as well um, For yourselves you know I, I, I have visions of this happening like I know I know your dad I've met him a lot of times and I find him um, a brilliant guy he's very, he's very good fun as well actually yeah. which because um, obviously the, the way I be dealing with him I'm not getting <laughs> it over anything so it's it's always it's always good crack and he'd have a good chat but I do wonder sometimes if you've, if you've played in games say for argument's sake and there was a ball comes into your hand and your decision say to take that shot over your shoulder from 70 yards as opposed to offloading the ball yeah. inside would Richie Senior sit down and say you know, let's look at the 62nd minute here again. What, <laughs> what was happening there? Or would it be more a case of um, he'd know, you know, or what way would I that know. be? I look, I'd know, he'd know. And, you know, it, there was times, I suppose, when I was younger that we would have done it. Do you know, I remember there was one story in particular. We played an underage match in Palmerstown. Um, and myself and himself had a few crosswords at the end of it. And we, obviously, I was getting a lift home with that after. So <laughs> there wasn't a word, there wasn't a word spoken between us in the, in the car. And I went in the back door and threw the bag in the kitchen floor and stormed up the stairs and sure ma'am knew straight away that there was after being a bit of a bust up between us but um, no like look dad would dad would be very very good at analysing games and analysing things and you know I'd often I would have often asked him for advice on, on different things but you know apart from that he, he would have left us to our own kind of device and you know obviously you'd sit down after games and talk about it and look at you know certain areas or certain points, but apart from that, you know, as I said, it was it was always good to have that sounding board with him. Like, no, it, 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 I can only imagine, and I'd say everybody would love to have that type of what I would say is it's 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 a completely impartial. It's I'd say it's a very honest opinion. When yeah. you ask, you you meet me in the street and say, "Jeez, how do you think I went? Oh, you, you were great." You <laughs> yeah, know, so well, I'm telling you, there was never any of that at home, <laughs> any, that's for no, sure. I, I have no <laughs> doubt. Um, just just looking back, um, and we're going to kind of look enough Richie you've, you've won so much that if we were to go through every one of them and overanalyze everything <laughs> we'd be here all day and I'm sure any player that's ever played sport would love to have these accolades in, in their locker but I just looked at when I spoke with Eugene Clunan last week like 
the most of Eugene's conversation was based on his club, um, Athenry, and, and and at the time I was growing up in Athlone, um, we were watching this Athenry hurling team, and it's, it's very very similar to what's happening with Ballyhale Shamrocks at the moment. You know, even to nearly a higher degree in the sense that Athenry literally just blew onto the scene. They won, you know, the, the, the schools, the vocational schools won in All-Ireland. Yeah. Next thing, they won a minor and under-21. And next thing, all of a rush, about 20 players. Like, there was players starting for Galway that were subs on the Attenroy hurling team. Like, I mean, it was just insane what was happening. And in my school, Paul Hardyman was wing back for oh, Attenroy yeah. and he yeah. was teaching us. So it was, you know, we were really Attenroy fans hoping he'd get a belt here and there as well. <laughs> but when I looked at it, and the comparison I'm going to draw back to is, at that time, and I just want to look back you were playing minor with Kilkenny. You won an All Ireland minor with Kilkenny in 2002 and in 2003. Okay, in 2003 and 2004, you won voc- er, All Ireland titles with St. Karen's College. You had broken into, I think, the under 21 team for Kilkenny close enough to that 2004. Yeah, no, I, was, yeah, we, I was playing in that final against Tip, yeah, yeah, in 2004. And then Carrick Shock obviously won the Intermediate Championship in Kilkenny, the Leinster Championship, and got beaten in the All Ireland final in yeah, 2004. That's so, right, yeah. F- looking back on it now like uh, the question I'd said to Eugene was did you feel the workload and the answer he gave me was you're winning all Ireland's the workload didn't matter but but looking at it I want to ask you at the time when you were doing it do you remember that phase in your life it must have been just some buzz um, yeah it, it was so, it, it was it was a, it was a brilliant buzz but like it was it was hectic you know, it really, really was like, and I suppose that was around the time where I was kind of sitting the leaving cert as well, and and trying to study, and you know, I uh, I suppose mum and dad and myself made a decision that I'd actually go boarding in Kieran's for the last two years, just because it'd give you a better opportunity to to get a bit more study done. Because if you're training most evenings, which I was with Kieran's, or you know, um, luckily enough, I would never have come out of Kieran's for training with the club. You know, which kind of you know gave me a bit of a break from the from the hectic schedule that I would have had. But yeah, like look, you look back on it now, and I suppose funnily you've just brought it up. Like I would never really talk back on it like that. You know, the fact that I was hurling with I suppose so many different teams at that time. But um, definitely the the load back then. You know, you wouldn't see that happening today. You know, which is probably a good thing for for a young guy coming through that it gives him more time to recover and develop in a better way. But um, I suppose at the time for me, you know, I was at that time I was relatively fit. You know, I was after having a knee operation at sixteen, so I was kind of over that. Got a good run of you know injury free between probably the next six seven years and. Um, I suppose once you're winning, as Eugene probably said, you don't really think about it at the time. But looking back now, it was a, a big workload and, you know, the body would have taken an awful lot of hardship. And just, you had a knee operation at 16? Yeah, I actually, I had a knee operation at 16. I had a knee, I had a knee arthroscopy, f- I think it was four or five weeks before the College is All-Ireland and I ended up playing in that College is All-Ireland. Um, and when I think back on that now, it's it's madness to think of it. You know, four or five weeks after an arthroscopy. But the problem here is, and I'm not. No, I'm not calling out people and, and giving out to people. I remember getting to a minor uh, club uh, county final, and our midfielder had a broken wrist, and he'd missed the semi final with this broken wrist. And I remember he called over to my house, and me and the I was corner forward, and the other corner forward, we tied his hand and used my dad's hacksaw cut the cast off <laughs> and then we brought him to training and we told the manager no he's, he's grand the doctor took the cast off and the whole lot like, but there was cuts from the hacks yeah. on his hand and our, our, our manager at the time looked him over and said this isn't happening you're not playing yeah. end of story 
like at the time for you I know you probably felt fine five weeks later but you're 16 you're too young to make that decision that that decision needs to be made for you you need to be told no the doctor needs to say to you know you're gone eight weeks ten weeks yeah. you know well uh, yeah look absolutely but to be honest I think I was told at the time that you know I suppose at the time back then an arthroscopy was a very very light operation now in saying that you were pretty, the recovery time was probably still six to eight weeks maybe or eight to ten weeks but you know the doctors didn't tell me not to play it was, they more or less told me it was it was my own decision yeah. um, do you know and in fairness the, the teachers in, in Kieran's, the managers in Kieran's didn't put any pressure on me either um, but I suppose again as I said being a young guy got over the operation okay I got back training and, and, and I was feeling fine do you know I, I, did, I wasn't feeling any pain or soreness in the knee and it felt solid and it felt strong and um, I just made the decision that I you know I wanted to play and I suppose again you're young and you're naive um, and you're, you're pushing your body not knowing what might lie ahead or what comes down the road but um, certainly you know it's one thing that I'd always kind of bring up that when I, when I speak now is I go back to that point and that would be one of my regrets do you know obviously that if I was back again or if I knew now what I knew if I knew then what I know now there's no way in hell I would have even contemplated playing that match. If you would have took six months well, there, if, you if could I have had taken me six months or six or even my twelve weeks recovery and done done it right, you know. Now, in, in saying that, I I did all the rehab right after that operation, and I was you know very good physios in Cairns, and you know I'd done everything that the Robbie Lodge t- would have told me to do and things like that. But again. You know, when you're 16, 16 and a half, and you, you've an All Ireland final in front of you, what are you going to do? Do you know? But like, again, was that a factor in what happened to me? Knee, you know, what 15 years down the line? Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you know, I can't. As I said, I have regrets, but I can't rewind and undo the undo no, the damage. Not. Do you know? But um, certainly, look, yeah, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it today if I was in the same position. And your springboard there from from the schools obviously brought you into the minor panels. Some great success there. And then I think it was two thousand and five. Two thousand and five is, is that's the yep. that's the right date. Jay. Yep. Two thousand and five. Then Brian calls you into the Kilkenny Senior Hurling Squad. Still relatively young. Yeah. Um, daunting, I'd say turning up for training that day with a bag. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you know it's amazing. I remember. I actually was called in for a couple of trials in 20, 2004, myself and my brother Jamie. And um, I remember going in one Sunday morning into James's Park and I was playing corner forward and I was marking Tommy. And uh, so I, I suppose I was young going in and I said, probably no fear at the time, but I went in and I was thinking that, you know, I'll give it a go. And I remember the first ball that came in and it came in high and uh, I kind of felt it was going over my head. So I was kind of turning to run and by the time I turned around Tommy had the ball in his hand and he was gone out the field so this kind of happened with the first two or three balls and I was kind of like saying to myself jeez I said I'm a good I'm a good bit off the mark here so um, yeah I suppose then the call came from Brian um, December 20, 2004 and um, went in in 2005 was my first year and I'm sure obviously that was you know DJ was still there in 2005 uh, Peter Barry you know and these were guys that you know, we, we grew up idolising and, and looking up to and I suppose for me DJ was probably 
you know, my hero growing up, apart from dad, obviously, but DJ would have been the next. And uh, I suppose to be sitting in the same dressing room as DJ and get get to play alongside him for a year was was probably one of the highlights of my career, being honest about it, you know. And I often said it, like, if I didn't win any All-Irelands after that, I still would have been happy with, with the lot, like, you know, the fact that I got to, to play with DJ. So, um, yeah, but, like, look, it was... It was like anything, you just have to go in and put the head down and, and work hard and, you know, try and try and make your place and, you know, um, it was, you know, it was daunting, all right, but uh, I suppose exciting at the same time. And and just because you touch on DJ, and obviously I live in Gorn and in Gorn we kind of, there's a shrine to DJ mm. in the middle of the yeah. village and we bow to him every day, but <laughs> it, like, he was he was a brilliant hurler and yeah. there's no question about it, probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest. I, I, I asked the guy one time who was Kilkenny's greatest ever hurler um, and he, he said to me, there's, there's no contest here. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, with all the other hurlers you wondered if they were going to turn it on today yeah. but with DJ you wondered when, when he was going to turn it on yeah. today what what was he like in training you know was it was he the same relentless guy that you see oh, on the pitch unbelievable yeah do you know like and, and I think that's what kind of uh, and I suppose I don't I don't like picking out players but like DJ and even Henry do you know that's what kind of I suppose separates him from the bunch do you know and and that's not saying everyone else wasn't the same but it was just their just the way they kind of trained um, the way they brought people along and the way they you know for me those were those were two of the guys that you know had a huge influence on me in there and kind of looking at them and looking at what they were doing to try and kind of learn from them you know and um, yeah DJ like and even up until like 2005 was his last year still you know he was still as lethal and still as dangerous and still as fast and quick and everything that, that he was when he was you know younger but um Absolutely, like you know, I put a played alongside him. He was full forward. I was corner forward, starting off, and you know, it was just you know, you'd be starstruck at times. But you know, obviously, tried to learn as much as I could from him in 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 that time. Um, when you came in in two thousand and five, it was like it, you, the conveyor belt of all Ireland was just starting to starting to yeah. to, to wind up here. Yeah. So, like at at that time for you uh, you won the All-Ireland in your first year there in 2005 you won it and, and back in 2006 no uh, we were betting in 2005 2005 sorry yeah Galway betting in the semi-final in a big oh, yeah, massive 5-18 yeah, yeah. so like in, in, in that in that year well that game obviously it was just an insane game yeah. I don't know what was that like um, yeah it was a crazy game uh, I was actually dropped for it <laughs> unfortunately but um, yeah it was, it was you know um, I suppose Galway Niall Healy kicked kicked two goals and scored three goals that day from full forward um, and Galway kind of went went well ahead and we kind of clawed our way back into the game and we probably you know we could have snuck a draw towards the end of it but I suppose overall Galway were probably the better team and you know, we came up short, um, and that was, you know, it was disappointing. You know, obviously, I suppose your first season going in, and as you said, the conveyor belt of all Ireland medals, you were kind of not going in expecting to win all Ireland. So obviously, you, you you never go in expecting to win anything. But I suppose with the players that were there, you know, you were kind of thinking at the back of your head, "Geez, we have a great chance." You know, we have a chance here. Um, and I suppose that year, we kind of we got through Leinster um, and went into the semi final against Galway, and we were in you know we were in great shape and um, I suppose as I said unfortunately we just I suppose we started well kind of had a bit of a dip and a lull through the through the middle third and then we kind of came back strong towards the end but it just wasn't enough and um, it was disappointing I remember walking off the field and you know I, I think funnily enough that could have been the day that really kind of drove a lot of us on 
Um, you know, was walking off the field that day with the disappointment and, you know, seeing Galway celebrate, kind of getting into their getting into the All Ireland and um you know, for a lot of us, it was our first kind of real experience at, at kind of senior All Ireland kind of stage level, and you know, kind of gives a taste for it. And you know, I suppose what it kind of things rolled on from there. Yeah, like like I've all, I've often spoken to people, and, and and one of the things that I'm always told is there's nothing worse than losing a semi final. Um, yeah. You know, and 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 you know that in sport yourself, the fanfare and the the pomp that goes with an All Ireland final, even if you're beaten, you can still look back on the year and say you know I got there I got to Crow Park we were unlucky or whatever but when you're beaten in a semi-final you don't get it It stops there yeah. um, and I just I just want to touch on, on, on the Galway team they beat you that day but did they win their All-Ireland in the semi-final like I mean they were pretty much and I'm not going to be overly hard on them they were close enough to a no-show in the final like I would have thought you must have sat. You obviously sat down and watched the All-Ireland final whether it was in Crow Park or home in your house it wasn't in Crow Park anyway no it was at home <coughs> um, yeah but you must have been chewing your hand looking at the television thinking what we have to do now sure look of course do you know and I suppose that was around the time where, where this Cork team was coming do you know they were after beating Kilkenny in 2004 um, going into 2005 and you know I suppose they were all the talk was that this Cork team were going to dominate for years and years to come so obviously we were kind of we, we never looked past Galway obviously for in that semi-final we, we never done, we've never done that we never would but um you know, I I remember looking at that game at home, sitting down on the couch, thinking that you know you'd you'd love to be out there and having a crack off these lads and just seeing how good they are. Do you know because people were kind of building them up to be that good. Um, and obviously, yeah, I think maybe Galway that year probably did. You know, they probably did win their All Ireland in the semi final. Um, you know, it was a huge performance against us, and. I suppose maybe that took a lot out of him um, in the build-up to the final, and I think in the end Cork won it quite easily. I yeah. think in the end seven or eight points. So um, I suppose that led on to Cork then going for going for three in a row in two thousand and six. And the the appetite then going into two thousand and six, like you'd, you'd hear people question, and I and you you you're one of the people that now I don't mean you personally are one of the people, but the Kilkenny team. I like since I've lived in Kilkenny, I'm down here. Uh, nearly 10, 11 years, you know, so it's like at the moment it's a real famine. Maybe I'm part mm. of the problem here, but, <laughs> but but your team, there was the question sometimes that might be posed of maybe hunger or, you know, desire that these guys have done it all and what pushes them on. But but I would assume 2006 coming back in, you wouldn't need any cliches fired out with you. I'd say there was a dressing room and a full management team, an embodiment of we're not letting this slip now, we're were coming that must have been an explosive kind of year in itself yeah it was and I, I suppose kind of what really uh, I suppose catapulted it was um, you know we we were actually beaten in the under 21 county final or not county final all Ireland final in 2005 as well by Galway by a pint down in Limerick in the Gaelic grounds and um, you know I remember I suppose after that game one or two things kind of happened on the bus on the way home and uh, Brian Brian always made reference to it the following year but um, yeah I suppose look it was uh, I suppose 2005 was probably a big learning curve for for me and probably for a lot of the younger lads that kind of came in onto the panel from you know from the minor teams that won All-Irelands and I remember kind of the start of 2006 going into training and there just there was a different feel about it you know, there was a different, I suppose, feel around the camp, um, even from management team, trainers and the whole lot. It was just real. Not that the year before wasn't, but it just, I don't know. The intensity, we, we, levels, the intensity levels were just up. We we were, we, you know, I suppose, 
maybe the the idea of Cork winning three in a row was probably a thing that kind of drove us really as well you know to get a crack at him we wanted to kind of pit ourselves against the best team in the country at the time which was them to see where we were and to see where we are against them and um you know, I think that that was a real driving force for us. You know, and um, I don't think anything was going to really stop us that year. And you know, I think the the final typified that. You know, because we we spoke about kind of um, game plans in the build up to the game that you know one man would go to a Cork player and hold them up rather than giving them the chance to offload. And that's the way they done the running game. Yeah, and sure, the first ball, the first sharp puck out they hit. I think Don Logue hit it to Brian Murphy, who was playing in my corner. And sure, I went to meet him. Martin Comerford came from full forward. Um, Henry came from centre forward, and I don't know was it. I don't know who was playing half forward. Went as well. So there actually four of us went for him. Compared to what we were kind of saying was that I'd be the first to go, make him play the ball rather than giving an overlap. So that kind of set the tone for the whole game. And I suppose you look back on that game now, it it really showed like the hunger that we had. And we had a game plan, and we, I suppose, we'd done it, and we played it to exactly how we wanted to. And like, like Richie, you've played in in so many All Ireland finals, and you've played in so many kind of high intensity games, and like it's you hear lads saying about we're going to set up this way and we're going to set up that way, and like I've seen it myself, and, and you know, obviously with coaching teams and things, but like the old saying in boxing is the game plan goes out the window when you get a box in the jaw, um, you know, it's, it's yeah. kind of yeah, like. In Crow Park, in a, in an All Ireland final scenario, like you know, in, say even in that game, when the ball's thrown in and, and it's changed, so we, you're set up to to prepare for a certain format that the team is going to play. When there's an adjustment needed to be made on the field, I'm sure it's very hard for Brian to communicate out yeah. that we're going to shuffle it. So, in your experience through the years, like how how did you manage that, and who who was the people that ca- we, called it? Like we just, I suppose, we just kind of done it ourselves do you know we, we kind of knew what had to be done and we, we just spoke amongst ourselves and spoke to maybe one or like the player beside you or the player behind you and what you know I suppose a big thing for us was if I was playing on the full forward line I'd be asking TJ say if he was centre forward to tell me where he wanted me to be for their puck outs do you know go to the right go to the left to cut out a short puck out no different if I was playing 11 I'd be calling TJ at 14 do you know so that's the way we kind of done it we always we always tried to cut out the space and um, I think Don Cusick said it after the 2006 all Ireland. he said any time he looked down the field for a Cork jersey all he could see was Kilkenny jerseys and that's the way we kind of set up you know because we just covered the space in order to cut out their short passing game and we knew if we could make them go along that you know we had JJ Tommy and Brian Hogan across the half back yeah. you know so who wouldn't who wouldn't want you like why wouldn't we want by our Don Lowe kind of pucking balls down on the three lads so um, I think yeah we just I suppose we got such an understanding of playing with each other um, and the way we wanted to play that if anything did happen on the field we just we just went with it and it's just like, like it's on the field as well that that that's I, I totally understand what you're saying that the lines that communicate through mm. each other's lines and I'm sure the goalkeeper's yeah. talking to the full back line but but to press it on a small bit if just say we're playing in a semi-final uh, a tip game or something like that and you know something's not going right on the field um, you know something for whatever it is like and you end up drawing a game or you yeah. end up being beaten in a game you go into the dressing room after the match like a lot of people there's this Myth or, or, or imagine, I don't know if it's real or if it's not real. Brian Cody cuts a very imposing figure on the line, but anytime I've ever dealt with him, I've never had to deal with him in a mm. dressing room, unfortunately, because I'm not good enough. But <laughs> it, anytime I've dealt with him, he's, he's a gentleman and he's, he's, he's quite handy to deal with. He doesn't strike me as the type of fella 
that would paste you to the wall in the middle of a dressing room. No, um, no. But 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 yet I don't believe if you were a stinking game that you could walk into that restaurant and sit down without somebody pasting you to the wall <laughs> well the no absolutely not um, <laughs> if you had a stinking game you wouldn't have lasted 70 minutes that's for sure but um, no look as I said it was we would we would always have a chat and a meeting on a Friday night before a game and kind of set out our stall as to what way we wanted to play and you know we were the ones that were going to kind of set the tone and like we'd play the game on our terms and that's the way we, we went about it and I suppose you know for a good number of years you know, a lot of people would have said it that that's the way Kilkenny done it. You know, games were played on our terms, and um, you know, and that's the way we prepared, and that's you know from the training that we done, um, and everything that we done together. That's the way we wanted it to to be like. You know, and we we, we set out to do it. We we probably achieved it on on a, on, a, on a lot of on a lot of days, but um, certainly you know when things were going wrong and if things had to be said. They were said in the dressing room at half time, or they were said at, after the game, or before the game. You know, it was never, it was never a case that if you had a really bad game, you were going to walk, you know, walk out of the dressing room thinking that just you know, I, got, I got away with something there. <laughs> but um, no, look, and I suppose look, as a player, Eddie, you know, you know, you know if you've had a bad game, and you, like it's up to yourself then to kind of go home and analyze it and kind of see where you know you can improve on things when you go back into training on the Tuesday night, and you know, you know, you know if you're not going to improve or if you don't work hard enough you're not going to be playing the next day and I think that was a big thing with Brian you know like he he was very fair with regards to that and he he would have picked his teams on training you know which was a big thing and he genuinely did he genuinely did yeah like you like I think I was there for 11 years um, and I, do, I, I can't remember Brian picking the same team two games in a row at Championship and like when you're saying about picking a team at training because I know myself in management now and I there's times in training I find it so frustrating and I've, I've said it to the selectors with me as well that we have a player that we know we need him in our team and he's not moving and he's not performing yeah. in training so the lads keep moving him around to try and put him somewhere that he'd perform and I'm saying well, you're doing an injustice here to Johnny up in corner forward who's actually working really hard yeah. you're moving the other fella to try and you know oust this guy just did you know yourself in a training session if you were you know, I'm in real fucking trouble here. Like I'm getting roasted if I don't start something out. I'm gone. Was it? Was it that type uh, of a feeling? Well, it was. It, yeah, like it, it was. Like obviously, look, every day you go out, you're not going to be brilliant. And you know, it's it's not a case <clears> that every training session you go into that you're going to perform. But it, it was the other things that went along with it. It was it was the working hard, even if you weren't, if things weren't going well for you. It was working hard and trying to get yourself into the game, and you know, trying to do something for the team and trying to help the team. You know, it wasn't a case that if things were going wrong, that you hang the head and you just go into the corner and kind of stay there. Um, you know, those were the kind of things for me that Brian was looking at. You know, maybe like there was plenty of guys. You know, the likes of, you know, Henry's name was probably first on a on a train on a team sheet and Tommy and JJ like there was times that they wouldn't have had good training sessions but they would have been doing the right things you know they would have been trying hard they would have been trying to you know right the wrongs and, and things like that and that's just the way it was inside you know and there was so much competition for places in that in that team as well it was just it was scary because you'd nearly be kind of scared going into training that God if I have a bad night tonight I'm going to go down the pecking order do you know even though you might have scored 2-5 in a Leinster final the Sunday beforehand you're still there's no guarantees do you know there were never any guarantees with Kilkenny and I think that's what made it that's what made us so successful and made it so you know the competition for places so strong and made us as a group so strong the fact that there was so much competition and no matter how good you were the last day 
you had to go out and perform in training to make sure that you were playing the next day. Yeah, Owen, Owen touched on it a couple of weeks back. He said that after after every training session in the midweek, he'd go home and he'd tell his, his, his missus and he'd tell his mum and he'd tell his dad, that, that that's me gone. <laughs> you know? and, he, and he said it took him about eight years in the Kilkenny Senior Hurling team to say, you know, I actually think I'm going to start. I think he won Hurler of the Year and uh, the following year, we'd yeah. say, he said, I, th- yeah. I think I might start. I think I could but be that, starting. That was, was it that thing. bad it like, was? There was never, like, I don't think there was ever a time when I went home and, you know, mum and dad might ask me, well, how, how are things going? Or like, will you be playing Sunday? Like, there was, I'd say nine times out of ten, I couldn't say that, yeah, do you know, I was confident I was going to start. Now, probably a bit towards the end of my career, but um, definitely at the start, you're kind of, you're on edge. Do you know, you were definitely on edge kind of going into that room on a Friday night before a game to see whether your name was going to be on it. Now, I'm sure there was probably 12, I'd say 11 or 12 names that were guaranteed to be honest and then there was the three or four that were kind of nip and tuck the whole time and you know I certainly would have thought that my name was in that three or four I'd say there was about know? 11 or 12 lads that think <laughs> they were in the three or four well that know? was it you know but like um, again that's just what made it so you know so competitive like you know because you were driving like the way I look at it if I was in train I was marking Tommy or Noel Hickey or JJ or, or Jackie for me you're marking the best defenders in the country do you know because that's what I believe they were and they you know when they, they were are, yeah, yeah. so you know you couldn't test yourself against any better than testing yourself against these guys and like if there's a night that you come out thinking do you know what I didn't do too bad tonight well then you know you're not going too bad but there was obviously nights you come out then and you're kind of saying Jesus <laughs> I don't have to see Noel Hickey again for a month uh, just, just on Noel now it might be Noel Hickey but if you were going through a shaky patch maybe at a, a, a dodgy Leinster semi-final and, and there was a 15 on 15 game in training in your head is there you know if you need a confidence booster <laughs> who is it wasn't no, it wasn't no Licky you wanted to mark anyway was, um, was there people that you'd look at and you'd say oh Christ don't let him be marking me tonight was it was it no sure there was like there was well do you know what everyone in there was there was no difference do you know whether you were down kind of the A side or the B side or I don't know like was there A and B's but um, there was like for me personally it was Constantly, Noel Hickey and Brian Hogan were, were the two that I was uh, always marking. And like myself and Noel, you know, used to just have a laugh about walking into our position before the game started, like that we were marking each other again, like because I obviously played a lot of my time at full forward and centre forward, where I suppose Brian and Noel would have been. So, you know, they would have been probably two of the guys that I would have spent a lot of time on over the over the course of the couple of years. But um, no, look, there was never you know there was never there wasn't someone that you wanted to mark and there was definitely a lot of lads you didn't want to mark so but that way it was always going to be a tough one and, uh, and when you look back look back on your career like the the, the the 2010 game against Cork you know is, has been spoken about a million times you, 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 had a, you had a brilliant performance in that game but I think sometimes people completely base a performance on a forward on the scoreboard yeah. which yeah. it's not the case I mean it, forwards are given different jobs to do and, and you know I, I was chatting to one of my friends about you earlier and he said to me that you were you were actually a really good free taker as well uh, at underage level and things like that you know that, that he, he felt I, I laugh when these people say things to me like he said to me oh Richie was a very underrated player like, and I said Richie Bauer is on the Kenny Senior Hurling team for a, you know nearly a 14 year career or 15 year career I said that's not underrated he's two all-stars he's eight all-Ireland medals yeah. you know if that's underrated there must be lads all over the country <laughs> that are but he felt he said to me that when he looked at your games he said yeah the, the, the Cork semi-final was you know it was a particular game where and without being on you know I don't mean to be yeah. in any way kind of he said everything went right you know it was just one of them games that everything went right yeah yeah said, absolutely you have those days you have days like that but like when you look at it you, you remember that game 
was it the standout game for you in your career? Like, is it the game for you personally? Like, um, I don't really know, Eddie. To be honest, like, I, I don't, I don't really look back and kind of look at games and s- to pick out one in particular. Do you know? Um, I suppose you look back over the course of the your career. Um, obviously, I suppose when I started with Kilkenny, probably it took me a couple of years to, I suppose, really. I suppose settle in you know I was kind of in and out of the team and I was kind of a little bit in, I was kind of injured a bit as well and I was kind of missing games here and there and I suppose 2009 2010 um, 2011 I kind of started to kind of you know I won't say break onto the team I was already on the team but I kind of really kind of started to become I don't know what you say kind of a leader maybe Yeah. and um, I suppose maybe then like obviously 2010 you know, like Henry's injuries were, were well documented and, you know, I kind of took over the free take in, in 2010 um, and that kind of led to, I suppose, a little bit more responsibility on my, on my shoulders, you know, and you kind of have to step up to that as well. But um, no, look, I don't, if, if there's games, to be honest, if I look back on games, I you know, I'd pick out 2006 final and 2014 finals, you know, with John um, on the field as well. The replay in 2014 would be probably the game that would really stand out for both me. Both of you got goals in that game, wasn't it? We that? did, yeah. Both of us got goals in that game. Um, you know, again, I was I was after having knee trouble earlier in the summer. Um, didn't get back until the, the semi-final against Limerick. And, you know, luckily played in the two, two finals against uh, Tipton in, in the strong game and the replay so you know those are kind of games that stand out like I suppose as as your your friend said like that game against Cork in 2010 everything did go right you know anything that could go right went right that day um, you know but obviously we went on and we, we lost the final which was the, the biggest killer of the whole lot you know in 2010 to tip so um, I, look I, I wouldn't really pick out any one game to be honest with you Do you remember defeats more than wins? Yeah yeah, the linger longer today. Like, if you were to ask me, do I remember, you know, the full time whistle in two thousand six or two thousand eight or two thousand nine? I can't, but I can, I can remember it in two thousand and ten, um, and I can remember, I can remember sitting on the field in Crow Park, crying my eyes out, looking up at Owen Kelly lifting the the Lee McCarthy Cup, and I think it was Pat Kerwick then singing singing a song in the Hogan stand as well and we were walking into the into the dressing room. So, do you know, like I can I can remember that like it was yesterday. Um, you know, I remember walking in the the tunnel that day, saying, "Okay, enjoy it now, lads, because we'll we'll be back next year." Um, you know, and we did. We got back and we 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 won it. But um, yeah, definitely the defeats definitely outweigh the the losses or the, the defeats outweigh the wins. The wins, sorry. Be, yeah, no, it's it's it, it, it's something that you know. I I suppose I I'd so many losses that I just get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, 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 I always find it funny when I talk to to anybody. You know, at, at at the levels that, you know, um, that you've achieved, that they always say to me, you'll remember, you know, in a game where you lose by a point, mm. you'll remember the three wides you hit, or you'll remember <laughs> oh, the ball yeah. you gave away. But yeah. in a game that you win by a point, all the things that went wrong, the papers covered over, cracks are finished. Yeah. We've the All Ireland. It doesn't matter, you know. Um, just just at the very tail end of your career, at the very tail end of your career, you know, you did get to bow out, winning a club All Ireland with Carrick Shock, um. For you yourself, you know, thirteen years, maybe fourteen years in the club senior setup. Yeah. Um, that must have been a, an unbelievable moment. Yeah. Um. You know, it was. I suppose it was for me. It was. It was very emotional because. Um. I suppose I was told the surgeon told me that I'd never play again. Um. 
you know, in October 2015. So, you know, I kind of came back and, you know, I'd done the rehab, I kind of pushed the body a bit to try and get back to play a little bit with the club. And I suppose luckily enough, I did. I got back to to play in the, the county semi-final against Tullerone and the final against Tuller. And kind of was a bit part player. Do you know, I'd never started the games. I kind of was brought on maybe at half time or 20 minutes to go. And I suppose at that stage, that was all the knee could hold or need, that's all the leg could handle. And um, I suppose we just, we were lucky enough, like we were very lucky to get through Leinster. Um, you know, I, I often laugh about it now, like, you know, we played Kilmess and we were lucky to get over and then Selbridge in the Leinster final. Sure, we were we were seven points down with two minutes to go and we scored three goals. So, um, <laughs> like, it was it was crazy stuff. Do you know, that was played up in Newbridge. And um, I suppose from there then, the rest is kind of history. We won the semi-final, you know, easy enough. And then we won the final probably, you know, um, well as well. So, definitely, you know, for me, that's that's the standout moment, Anya. Do you know, um, obviously there's one medal that I didn't get my hands on which was a senior county medal or a club medal but you know we, we got close to it but definitely that was that was the pinnacle for me anyway um, you know I remember I remember driving into Crow Park that day on the bus and like obviously you know myself John Tennyson and John Dalton we've we'd been there many days kind of driving in but you know even just looking around the bus that lads' face kind of you know you could see it in their eyes that she's were driving into Crow Park here um, you know playing an all Ireland final and you know to do that with your club and to do that with lads that you've grown up all your life with is you know there's no I don't think there's any better feeling in the world to be honest and like, like I remember that all Ireland final so well because um we we had raced in Gorham Park that day. It was actually Redmond's day, so it was kind of I can't remember the exact date. It was it would have been kind of February, February. I would imagine. It yeah. was February, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I remember because John Cal, I think, was playing he was corner back yeah. um, for you, and John would have been working on Redmond's at the time. In That's Martin, right. John so done was, a John done a great job on Carl Mannion that day. Yes, actually. an unbelievable. Job. I was murdering him <laughs> that week. We were getting ready for Redmond's day, yeah. and because I was looking at their team on paper, and Carl Mannion was the, the yeah. star man, and John was he's a real softly spoken fella he's he a very is, yeah, nice yeah, lad yeah. and he said to me I could be Mark Callmanion and I was looking thinking Jesus Christ you know this you know, this is going to be a tough day at the oh, office for him but listen. we got to listen to the, the last kind of 20 minutes uh, at a game because the, the game was a late yeah, throw and it's yeah. kind of I think it's like 7 o'clock seven for o'clock, an intermediate yeah, final yeah. we got to listen to the last 20 minutes of the game and I did enjoy it like I mean so you scored 1-3 or 1-4 in the game um, you know it, like you did run away in the end like it was yeah look we, we did um, I suppose in the end you know but we you know I, I think it was probably one of the best performances we kind of put together as a team that year you know and probably in a good few years actually um, just I suppose again we were so focused and so tuned you know we'd we'd gotten to the club final in 2004 where Kildang and Betters in the in the club All-Ireland you know so we kind of when we got back there again we weren't going to we weren't going to let it slip this time and I suppose look we knew we were coming up against a, a very good Haskra team and you know as I mentioned John Cahill already he was he was I suppose given the the man marking job of Cahill Mannion and I, I tell you now there, there hasn't too many men done a, as good a man marking job on Cahill in, 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 at inter-county level than John did that night but uh, yeah definitely like you know it was nice because you could actually enjoy the last 10 minutes of the game you know because at that stage, we knew we weren't going to be caught. We couldn't be caught. Do you know, we were we were a good bit ahead, but you know, it was good to be able to. I suppose, obviously, still 
we had to do what we had to do we, yeah you know, of course work hard and, and that but it was nice to enjoy it and when the final whistle went you know it was just as I said guys that you've you've hurled all your life with and went to primary school with and friends for life you're winning winning an all-earth medal with like it doesn't it doesn't get any better than that and really comparatively bringing Liam McCarthy back to the club after you've won an All-Ireland yourself and John holding it up in yeah. the GEA pitch and you know in this side and bringing that intermediate All-Ireland title back to your club on the other side it, you know is, is it is it so different is it it, it is it, it's so different but it's it's you know as I said the, the club the club one is way you know way ahead do you know like obviously it's great to be able to bring the Lee McCarthy and it's great to be able to represent your club at, at inter-county level and win All-Ireland medals but you know to do that with your club and to say that Carrick Shock were All-Ireland champions or are you know All-Ireland champions like you know we would never have dreamt about that growing up hurling with Carrick Shock do you know obviously you dream about winning county finals and I suppose for me and for, for a lot of us you know I was winning the senior county final was probably our our biggest goal, our biggest aim, and we got to senior level, and you know we we didn't achieve that. But to come back and you know be able to, I suppose, run out in Crow Park wearing the Kerry Shock jersey, you know, is just is is dream stuff, you know. And um, you know, as I said, definitely the pinnacle for me. You know, it's 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 the one that stands out over all all the county medals for me, anyway. Yeah. Wow! Uh, no, it's it's it is, and I know I can hear it in your voice. You know the passion for it, but I'm sure if if if, if someone was sitting down with you and they were asking you for moments in your career, yeah, this is right oh, up yeah. there at yeah, the very, or at the very no, top of it. Yeah, um, I'm going to have a bit of fun with you now for a few minutes because I I, I don't want to have it all on negative. But I, <laughs> You're you're very good on on Twitter, Richie. You're improving every day. Every <laughs> I'm improving, day. okay. <laughs> but uh, I just I tell you, there's a few things that we agree on. Um, there's many things that we okay, agree on. I right. like to point out, but then there's other things that we may not. But I'm going to start off with the Limerick Senior Hurling team, current All Ireland champions. Yeah. You asked the question pretty early. I think at the semi final stage, you put the question up on Twitter: Has any team won a Munster title and an All Ireland semi final? I think it was then without scoring a goal. And the question I'd ask is, if if you look at the Limerick hurling team now, the way they play, and put all the bullshit to one side of other oh, great and their savages yeah. and train hard the whole lot, the fact that they seem to, in my opinion, looking at games, the fact that they have seemed to made the decision that they're actively not targeting their full forward line to go for goals, that they're happy to shoot from seventy yards, is that a good thing, or is that a bad thing? And is that where hurling's going? Are we going to have a situation where corner forwards are going to go in to the corner? And not get to see the ball unless a goalkeeper takes a sharp hook out. Yeah, what um, do you think? I, I suppose, yeah, it's it's it is a strange one. Um, I suppose if you're looking at this current Limerick side, you know, you look back to I suppose another one that I'd look back on is 2000, uh, the All Ireland in 2017, Galway and Watford. Yeah, Galway done exactly the same thing. They brought out their they brought out their sharp shooters from the full forward line to the half forward line, and they were happy enough with to leave Watford play with a sweeper and and pop their pints from you know 70 80 yards um look I, I think Limerick are I think it's just Limerick's game plan and I think in order to beat Limerick it's probably is the way a team is going to have to set up and the way a team is going to go um you're just going to have to crowd that middle third it would do you just get your matchups right like apps, go with a, yeah. a joint half back line like their half forward line I got the all Ireland program this year I don't know if you got the digital all Ireland program yeah. 
I had it and I, I, I flicked through it and next thing I was looking at the size of these lads and I said because oh. I thought Aaron Galan was small yeah. Um, yeah, and next thing I was looking I said how big is the half hour length these guys are 6'5 six, 6'6 six, six. Yeah. they're monsters they're monsters yeah so, and they're, they're fit they're, they're physical um, they can hurl you know they you know I, I, I read an article there lately about Garod McInerney or Garod Hegarty um, I believe that uh, Paul Knurk had to actually kind of I suppose pull the pull the brakes on him during the lockdown, the first lockdown, because he was constantly on to him about what he could be doing and what can he do next. Because he done he just worked so hard during the lockdown. Um, you know, funnily enough, like I kind of went for a, I was out walking with one of the lads there the other evening, and I just said it to him like, the lockdown last year, it it, it finally gave intercounty players the opportunity to train like professionals. Do you know because okay they weren't training together, <clears throat> but they could train every day because you know they were obviously yeah. some were working from home and whatever way and people weren't working at all they could train every day they could recover right and they could get themselves into the best possible shape and for me I just think this Limerick team probably bought into that a little bit more than I suppose anyone else did and even at that stage like I said it I said it after Limerick won the All-Ireland in 2018 um, I said Limerick will win three of the next five All-Irelands I, I watched them that day um, I, I couldn't have been any more impressed with him um, against Galway and even you know 2019 you know Kilkenny put in probably one of their best performances in the last five years to, yeah. to, and we still we're still hanging on at the end do you know <coughs> so um, for me I think look I think they are I think they're a great team I think they're they're a seriously grounded bunch of fellas um, you know and I think it's they're really after raising the bar and you know I think there's probably three or four teams that are in the next group and then there's probably a few below that but for me at the moment Limerick I think are are, are a good bit ahead of, of where anyone else is and just on the grounding like, like right now it's very hard to see past that Limerick team you yeah. know like everyone yeah. now Brian Cody the lads in Galway uh, Waterford they're all looking and, and I'm sure it was the same when you played they were looking at Kilkenny yeah. they're all looking at Limerick and seeing how they do it but it was just one of the points that you touched on you said how grounded these guys are yeah. um, and and it's it's a term that's been used quite regularly about the Kilkenny team that you played on yourself I remember at training camps in Wexford when I was with the Camogie team I remember a few times getting into sticky situations with Wexford hurlers yeah, yeah, um, myself yeah. and kind of you know some of them and I won't name names but some of them have a chest down and the whole lot and I remember getting really thick one day and, and I think it was Liam Dunn or someone kind of told me to calm yeah, it, calm it yeah. down a bit but the problem I had was I was meeting Kilkenny hurlers every day of the week with four and five all-around medals and six all-around medals and they were the nicest bunch of people and the I'm not saying the Wexford lads weren't nice. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. Winning an All Ireland was the target, not making the Kilkenny team, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I just see Limerick, in order for Limerick to go and do what you've said, win three, four, or five All Irelands, they need to be in completely grounded yeah, that last year is yeah. gone. Yeah. And when you look at Tipperary, why is it that Tipperary, do you think, don't have the ability to win back to back All Irelands? Is it the grounding? Uh, I, I, it probably is, yeah. I, I, I think it has a lot to do with it. Do you know, like, and you look back to 2010 when, when Tipperary bet us, like, again, 
people were talking about this Tipperary team going on to dominate for the next few years and you know whether it was the celebrating they done afterwards or whether you know it was the grounding or whether you know they they maybe let it let, let it get to their go to their heads a little bit or, or, or whatever but like you know you can't you know once 2020 was over like I'm sure Limerick are already looking towards 2021 now of course they are now but even when they won that All-Ireland in December like obviously two they, three weeks they mightn't have celebrated could we like they yeah, couldn't really celebrate the time, you know yeah, with everything yeah. that was going on so like straight away their minds would have been set for 2021 and like I've no doubt that they're if I was involved in that Limerick team now I suppose in my head I'd be kind of thinking like do you know like why can't we do what that Kilkenny team done do you know because they're they're good enough they're young enough at this moment in time and they have the players and they have the panel they have the manager they have the trainer you know and they have obviously the financial backing as well so you know that's the way I'd be thinking if I was in that team because I suppose everyone said and I, I said it like you know I didn't think we'd see that again that you'd have a team that might dominate for a few years at inter-county level you know we're seeing it at football with Dublin but I certainly didn't see it coming in, in Hurland but you know as I said looking at it now it's uh, it's looking like that could happen you know with this Limerick side OK we're skipping on a little bit further then the quarters in the GA, the water breaks obviously they weren't around when you were there I bet no. you'd have loved them <laughs> <laughs> but what's your thinking on it because I know watching the club scene this year and, and, and doing it for Casey Lord kind of yeah. doing punditry and some of the games and whatnot, it was one of the things I was watching and it was the teams that handled the first water break and the second water break them two quarters half time some teams come out flying yeah. at half time but what I noticed was those certain teams in that middle in, in, in American football they call the third quarter the yeah. moving quarter and first of all I'll ask you is it now obviously with the COVID thing we have to do it is it now something managers need to be working on and number two is is it good for the game is it something you keep keep in it oh god no no get rid of it not. oh get rid of it straight away um I don't think I don't think it'll be in it this year. To be honest, I I think the only reason, like I don't really know the reason behind it. You know, funnily enough, we couldn't um, bring water out onto the pitch. Yeah, so that um, was the only reason. Do I would I like to see it again this year? I I wouldn't. You know, I was involved with our own guys this year at club level. You know, some days some days it worked, some days it didn't. Um, you know, I suppose you know touching back to the Limerick team they, they were very good at dealing with the quarters anyway you know because yeah. they had the boards out at half time but um, look I, I, I'd i hate to see, I don't think it's, it's something that's going to come in you know long term you know maybe during this pandemic or during the COVID um, but certainly going forward no because you know it's very hard to build momentum, momentum. Yeah. you know what I mean like you're, you, you start the game like the way I kind of look at a game first five ten minutes of a match you're you're kind of finding your feet and you're kind of settling into the game suddenly then you have a break and you might have been building up a kind of a head of steam at that stage and then it's cut short it's when you're not having the head of steam built up that water well, that's, <laughs> when you're, that's when you're glad on, you're looking for it come on ref we're thirsty you know blow it up there but um, no certainly like look as I said one or two one or two games like last year with Kerry Shock you're kind of you're saying God you don't want the water break you know we're on top here and then there's times you're kind of saying jeez this water break can't come quick enough so I, look 
I suppose the big thing for going forward into this year is and like I'm over our own lads again this year is like we need to get confirmation if the water breaks are in place number one and if they are well then you can plan do you know yeah. you, you plan for four quarters then you don't plan for two halves do you know and I suppose then you can kind of plan what way you want to set up and what way you want to do, want, go about it but um, certainly long term I don't know I don't okay. want to see it um, From a marketing point of view and commercial side of it I could see the GEA trying to because they're, they're, they obviously love money as well yeah. Um it's you know I don't mean to insult anybody in the GA but they do like to they do like to have money and as does any business but they the quarters they obviously do have the selling ability then to say that you know this quarter is brought to you by Lucas yeah yeah you know, absolutely it, it, it could do that but fair enough I'll take it there from you I, I've spoken to some of my own players and they've told me they hate it yeah that they feel like you've said that you're just loosening up you're getting into a next thing bang you're stopped yeah and regardless of whether you're on top or not on top if you're getting loosened up and your body's getting going yeah. you're going to get to where you need this so well that's the thing but then you're forced to stop then Eddie and then you're, you're stopped I know the water break is only what it's meant to be two one or three, or it was supposed to be a minute but like how do you get all your players in for water break and then back out in a minute like you're stopped for two or three minutes yeah definitely and like then you're kind of starting from a standstill point then again do you know like and look I I, I can understand why it was brought in due to the COVID Um but I'd, I think, look, this year, they'd probably be in place this year, but going forward after this year, I, it'll be back to normal. Referees. Uh, you love referees <laughs> across the board. <laughs> On one water break, I had a referee blow the water break with a 14-yard free right in front of our posts, and we were drawing the game, and he blew for a water break. And I spent the whole of the water break absolutely tearing him a new one, explaining to him that he could have easily let them take that free and let us have the puck out so we'd have possession. So my water break, we knew we were going to be one point down the minute we went back out in yeah. the field as opposed to saying, right, we've a puck out now, we've possession. Okay. But um, that referee's decision was, it was criminal because the rules that was in place was that it, you stop it at, at a moment when it's out for a goalkeeper's puck yeah. out. Like, complete criminal stuff uh, you watched you watched the Camogie All-Ireland Final a number of years ago and I remember you putting up a tweet now this is this is proper stalker stuff now Richie don't be panicking I'm not sitting outside your house but I remember you putting up the tweet I was fuming watching the game myself Kilkenny got beaten in an All-Ireland Camogie Final I, it was, I can't, I, I'm pretty sure it was against Cork Yeah, and it was, it was the most abysmal refereeing performance probably I've ever seen it was an absolute like, it, was a, it was a shambles the quality of refereeing are the consistently quality of refereeing if, if, if you get what I'm saying yeah. does it pain you to, to look at this or, or what's your own thoughts on it and, 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 and is there a better way of, of maybe I don't know because I'm um, going to lead on to the next question it does yeah look it, it, consistency it does it does pain me um, there's no point saying any differently um, and I'd, I'd go as far as saying it's it's at club and inter-county level do you know um, but for me I, I think from a hurling point of view I think it's very, very hard for one guy, for one man to riff a game because, you know, you can, you can, you can strike a slitter 100, 120 yards and if, if the referee is down one end of the field while that ball has been cleared 120 yards, how is he supposed to call, you know, a foul that may happen or a square ball that may occur down the other end when, when he's maybe 80, 90 yards away? It, you can't do it it's not physically possible now would the potential of two referees work I don't know would that work either because you're going to have two guys blowing whistles and, and, and stuff like that um, what I'd like to see I, I, I know it's a little bit far-fetched but like maybe a bit of video evidence or someone that's upstairs talking to the referee in his ear that and, was suggested with the Richie Hogan red card yeah 
that Dickie Murphy was talking to James Owens I'll, I'll name both people in his ear yeah I don't know if it's true I'd be I'd be surprised like if it is true and he still gave him a red card well then I don't know what Dickie Murphy was watching um, but that was never a red card in your opinion not at all no way not was a, it a red card on Richie beforehand no no I okay. don't think I don't think either were red cards um, to be honest about it like I believe I believe the referee James Owens was advised by his linesman that it wasn't a red card also but he went against his linesman and decided to go with a red card go with his initial decision um, because I believe he saw blood on Richie's jersey yeah, um, but it was actually J- Richie's own blood from Carl Barrett's collision Swing with Richie yeah. before that but you know again that goes you know big decisions like that like th- that ruined that all Ireland final do you know like straight away like Kilkenny down to 14 men they were going fierce well at the time and they were well in the game and then down to 14 men there was always going to there was only going to be one winner after that um, but for me I think for big decisions like that to have someone that can look at a screen and see exactly what happened and quickly say something to whether it be James Owen or whoever say okay this happened it's a yellow card no more like why can't we do it well there was a bit of, like I was at the game and I'll be honest I was sitting beside um a guard from Greg Namana and I thought he was going to have to arrest himself he went that bananas and it was pretty close to us where it happened um, but I remember like it wasn't an instantaneous thing this was messed around for about two or three minutes before this red card was dished yeah. out because yeah. you know and the point that I made because it was the next thing I'd written down was VAR uh, and, I, and I and I just wanted like is it beyond the realms of possibility that you have somebody there and even if they just said you know, for 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 an All Ireland final, what was it? Eight minutes into the game or nine minutes? In, you know, it's early yeah, enough yeah, for an All Ireland yeah. final, and you throw out a red card and basically cost the team any chance of winning a game. Yeah. For a decision like that, how hard would it be for the GA to turn around and say, right, um, the the panel upstairs radio down? Look, we don't think that's a red Look card. We've it slowed down. Go yeah. over to the screen. Would, would it improve go over, the game? Go over to the monitor. Abs- of course, it'd improve it. Like you look, you look at the way rugby do it, use it. You know, like and people say, yeah, it drags out the game. It doesn't have to drag out the game in in hurling or GA. Well, like if you have, as you said, if you have a panel of two to three, you know, officials upstairs watching the monitors, you know, and they'd be able to tell the referee whether it's a square ball even like they don't he doesn't have to go and look at the monitor himself if someone upstairs doing it it'll take 60 seconds to make the decision <coughs> yeah, because, but like you, you you wouldn't need to use it for every single thing no, Waterford had no. a goal knocked them out of championship yeah. um, Richie sent off in an All-Ireland final but you could have it specifically to say square balls and red card decisions yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. on-field decision is a red card box decision is not a red card it'd be some crack if they put it on the big screen in Crow Park and 85,000 well, people <laughs> had a, that's had a something that look I, I, that's something that they'll never do and I wouldn't like to see that nah, I'm only but I, I would I would like to see more support there for officials now I know you're not going to have it at club level but for me I think at club level um Fit, like fitness levels referees at club level nowadays it's, it's not it's not what it needs to be either in my opinion um, you've you've some guys reffing the game between both 65s and to me that's very unfair um, you know and you're you're seeing it at you know the high the high level of club hurling it's not just you know um, underage or anything like that so look I don't know how we go about it I know I suppose Ned Quinn said it to me before about past players maybe going down the line of, of doing refereeing but you know, as I said to my friend the other evening, I said, like, why why would you do it? Like, you know, you see... Like, settle a few old scores. Well, <laughs> settle a few old scores, maybe. But, like, I suppose from my point of view, like, 
I'd be very I'd, I'd always have been vocal towards referees and I have been from the sideline as well management but like why would you put yourself out there to to be, be under, to be on the end of that do you know so in fairness to the guys I don't envy them their, their job know, there's, you know, there's in fairness no, I don't no. envy them but I do I do think they need there, there's more support there that's needed to be given No, fair enough 100% we move on to the next piece is uh, sweepers in hurling you love them <laughs> I do yeah absolutely love them um, oh sure look to me to me sweepers is a way of highlighting um, that you you have you have deficiencies in in your back line that, that's my way of looking at a sweeper is if you're if you're playing a sweeper it's it's more or less telling the opposition that you have frailties in your full back line or your half back line um, now maybe I'm wrong in saying that but to me that's just that's the way I'd look at it if I was playing against a team at club level or or that or setting up that way that's the way I'd I'd be thinking that they're they're protecting someone um, because like why else would you do it now some teams are well able to do it um, I suppose unfortunately from a Kilkenny point of view we find it hard to play against a sweeper which some teams do um, but for me yeah I I've I've said it. Um, I know Clare did it in twenty thirteen with a the sweeper system. They're the only team to have done it. But for me, I don't see any team winning an All Ireland playing with a sweeper. Yeah, see, like my my view on a sweeper system. Um, I've played it. Um, yeah. I've played it at, at, at county and club level for different reasons. Sometimes with a team, if you want to, they always you always build from your backs. Yeah. So you make yourself hard to beat, and then you work from there. If if, if I can contain your team to twelve points or thirteen points. I have a chance. Have a if chance, I'm conceding yeah. three ten or three fifteen, you know, Kilkenny, you were a nightmare in the sense that you were getting goals in the first four or five minutes of a game or six minutes of a game. And where Davy would be looking at that, he'd be saying, "Right, let's try and stay in this yeah. game for as long as we can and and throw it out to it." But at the same time, taking your point on the on the sweeper system and and the negativity of it, when you look at the Limerick hurling team and the way they set up, do you not think that some in some senses the way that they've set up it's completely if they've, they've took out their full forward line as in out of play yeah, yeah. they've brought their half forward line out to where your sweeper would line up and they've lined up three six foot six men Yeah, and then they're going to hammer ball so no sweeper the sweeper is not a sweeper if he's out there contesting that ball yeah 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 and they're winning their own clear ball like do you think it, in Limerick's mindset was there ever a thought that maybe this system will work against a normal system and a sweeper. a sweeper system I think so, yeah, and and I, I, in fairness, kind of showed that against Waterford in the final, really. Like you know, now okay, Waterford didn't perform on the day, but I do think, yeah, what you're saying, like I think Limerick's whole game plan is kind of based around the middle third, is winning the ball around the middle third, and that's why, like, they've so many big guys around there, do you know, like, and they're they're physical and they're able to win their dirty ball and the breaking ball, which is a big thing in hurling, is is the is the is the breaking ball. So, you know, I think there is ways around it. Um, you know, may like definitely the way Limerick are going about it. I think they were probably looking down that because they were coming up against the Watford team. You know, Wexford have gone down the route of a sweeper. Clare probably have done it on occasion as well so like you know Limerick were probably planning for that and you know it's 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 amazing when you talk about it like you'd, you'd, ne- you'd maybe sometimes think that Limerick nearly kind of play with a bit yeah. of a sweeper as well because 
you know the two guys in the middle of the field generally play in the middle so yeah. they kind of cover the centre back areas which allows Declan Hannan to kind of sit back a little bit like you very rarely see Declan Hannan picking up the centre forward or picking up a player he's always one kind of sweeping in behind both both half back lines you know but they send, they just, send their wing backs yeah you know, to give them a bit of freedom to roam exactly. as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, like, and it's it is like Limerick have just, do you know, they've. I don't know how you'd even explain their game plan. Um, like for me, if you were playing Limerick in the morning, it's it's about the middle third. Like that's that's the area you really have to concentrate on. Like as you said, you, you they kind of more or less isolate their full forward line, and very rarely, you know, they'll they'll hit the full forward line maybe ten, twelve times a game. Um, and now in fairness to the full forward line they do, they do fierce well out with those 10 or 12 yeah. balls but like for me it's it's that middle third um, you know and anyone that's going to come up against them in the next couple of years that's where they really have to concentrate and getting like you mentioned matchups there the matchups have to be right um, you know and in particular with their half forward line like the Hegarty and Morrissey you know they, they more or less kind of do they, to me they're doing what Owen Larkin done 5-6 years ago 10 years ago like Lark's brought half hour play to a different level in my opinion the way that he went up and down that line and was also able to get on the end of the on the balls to score as well like you know he just brought I suppose fitness levels and everything to, to a different level um, but I think that's where we now if I was coming up against him you're nearly looking for your half hour to mark their half hour yeah do you know that he has to drop right off allow the lads then to drop back a bit do you know what I mean and then at least then you have a bit of cover you're not sweeping to say but you have a bit of cover that if they do break that line then you have guys there that they don't have open open road to run into themselves no fair enough and then the last one I'm going to come to is you've been lucky enough to win two All-Stars um, and I know everyone says oh you know personal personal awards don't really yeah, matter it's yeah. the All-Ireland medals that count I I, I, I constantly get in arguments over All-Stars um, I, I, I get in arguments as in now I don't go out and we don't start killing each other yeah, on the street yeah, like I'm yeah. not that passionate about the whole thing but my my, my my argument would be you won two All-Stars in your career and I would say if you were on any other team aside from the two years you won your All-Star if you, if you were on other teams that were beaten in finals you probably have a better chance of getting an all-star I know this is going to sound really silly now yeah, right yeah, yeah. but you would click any team that won an All-Ireland uh, the year you beat Watford in the All-Ireland final um, you, you trounced Watford that year yeah. that year's team I think had eight all- all-stars maybe seven or eight all-stars is what you got Yeah. but if the truth be known if you got eight there's seven minimum Kilkenny hurlers that have been very hard done by at the All Stars, and and I just wonder if you're being honest when you when you look at the years, the two years you won your All Stars. Have you looked at any of the other years and you said, "I've been hard done by there." Um, probably maybe one or two, maybe one or two. Um, but apart from that, uh, like I suppose, as I said, I don't. I don't really look back on I suppose the individual stuff all that much now look it's nice to have the two All-Stars absolutely but you know for me it was it was never about the, the personal you know the personal gratitude or the personal gains or anything like that you know like I I would have seen I would have looked at myself as being a very kind of unselfish player anyway on the field you know like I would have I, I would have got as much enjoyment out of setting up a score than I would have from getting from scoring it myself. Yeah. You know, and um, I suppose what really kind of riled me was, I suppose, since I retired and looking at the, the All-Stars 
selections and, and things like that you know like it's just for me I think I think the All-Stars should be picked by your peers you know, it shouldn't be picked by journalists or it shouldn't be picked by... The lads in on the Sunday game the lads show. In on. The, do you know what I mean? It should be picked by your players that you played against all year that have looked at you all year and who think you des- you're you're worthy of an all-star. And, you know, I think we've seen examples of it in the last couple of years in both football and hurling where it's just become a joke, really. Do you know, like, for me, the final nail in the coffin for me when it came to all-stars was, was the place in the Colin Cavanagh at full-back on the football all-star team three years ago. You know, where... He played every game in the middle of the field, but they played him. They put they him, him back. into the team. They fitted him into the team exactly. Do you know, like there was, there was talks this year. I look at this year's team. I think Will O'Donoghue is very, very, very hard done by that he wasn't in the middle of the field for Limerick. I thought he had a fantastic year, and but he lost out. He lost out because he played for Limerick. They couldn't give Limerick every player. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, they, they, and that's you're you're dead right in saying that because, like, I suppose Tony Kelly was guaranteed to get one. Yeah. Um, but did he have a better year than Will O'Donoghue? See, that, that's, that's the debate, and that's the debate I had with with, with with the friend that I went walking with the other evening. With, like we we spoke about this, you know, and we spoke about some of the decisions. Um, and again, it comes down to, you know, for me, it comes down to people that are picking teams that, you know, maybe don't don't know as much about it as the, as they might think they do. And you know, I, I just think there's there's years gone by there where some players have been very very, you know, harshly done by, and there's been some players that have been very very lucky to pick up All-Stars and you know for other reasons they've they've got it yeah. and you know um, personally I, I as I said I, I'm not a big I'm not a big believer of it but you know I definitely think there's there's been times where players have picked up All-Stars just from being very good in the media and I, I just don't think it's I don't think it's right what, what about fixing it like what I'd love to see happen is and I think it'll promote the game and it'll be great. Kilkenny go and win the All Ireland this year. That Kilkenny panel of twenty four or thirty or whatever it is, the GEA say right, you're going to and we pick a place, say New York. Yeah, you're going to New York. <coughs> compliments to the GEA at Christmas, and you're going to be playing against a panel of twenty players that's going to be put together by a voting system of their peers and everybody else, and we pick the All Star team play against the All-Ireland winning team so yeah. there's no All-Ireland winners on the team and it's based then specifically on all the players vote so if Kilkenny have won the All-Ireland you're not allowed to vote for Kilkenny players yeah. but Kilkenny yeah. players can vote, can vote and yeah. then but your vote is at number two is the guy that played right corner back or left corner back you know what I mean you can't pick Johnny the full back at full forward absolutely it's, no absolutely yeah I don't think and again going back to it like there's no way a player you're picked in the position that you've played all year you know, like um, I know there was a debate. Like I, I could have sworn that Keen Lynch was actually nominated at midfield for an All Star when the the, the All Star nominations were announced. And they announced him at centre forward. And they announced him at centre forward. But and I, I, I think that there was kind of uproar at the time as to why he was nominated midfield when he spent played the whole year centre forward. Yeah. But yet he appeared centre forward on the team. Now I, could, I might be wrong in saying no, that. I definitely seen him down Do you as know, a midfielder. Yeah. So like you know how that means then someone from the half hour line missed out. And obviously, if he was going to be named, he was always going to get an All Star. But why wasn't he nominated 
on the half hour line I don't like a lot of it doesn't make sense to me you know when it comes to it like going back about I think it was 10 years ago when the GPA were introduced the way it was done then was that every player was sent out a form to pick the All-Star team and the, the three there was 45 players nominated there was three goalies there was three left cornerbacks three fullbacks three right cornerbacks and you tick the box who you believe should get the All-Star and for me that's the way it should go back to and a player that's position at number three should be a player that played at number three all season not someone that played cornerback or someone that played wing back just to fit him onto the team because when you see that happening you know that guy is going to get the all-star yeah because that's why they're doing it and to me i think it makes a joke of the whole thing and it doesn't it doesn't reflect the actual all-star team and the best players in the country at the time no that's a, that's a hundred percent last question is lockdown finishes tomorrow morning we're all back to normal the whole lot what's the first thing richie power is doing um teeing it up on the first into Kenny Golf Club <laughs> <laughs> that's the plan anyway or do you know what even better teeing it up on the first in a golf course in Spain or Portugal uh, with the lads like we normally do most years but we haven't done in the last couple of years so but um, anything with a bit of sun and maybe uh, 18 holes of golf and a few beers I'd be happy enough Brilliant Richie absolute <laughs> pleasure to chat to you this evening I'm sorry for stalking you so much and taking all, you hostage uh, it's been an absolute pleasure that is of course Richie Power uh, Kilkenny hurling legend on the Clash Act with us tonight and we'll be back again with you next week thanks very much